Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon welcoming you to the very first Book Bistro episode of the year. I feel like it's been a while since I have sat down and recorded an episode like this. There are lots of fantastic books coming out this week that I am super excited to tell you about. However, I'm also very excited to share an interview that I did with author Carrie Ray. We did this toward the end of 2021, and this is an interview that sent me down a rabbit hole of research because the topic of Carrie's book is something that I truly did not know existed. So I will be very interested in knowing if any of you follow me down this particular rabbit hole and um, do some research of your own. So without any further ado, let us get into the housekeeping information, followed by the interview with Carrie Ray, and then I will be back to talk with you about new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author Carrie Ray about her novel, The Wedding Ringer. Um, and this is scheduled to release here in the U.S. on November 9th, at least as of the time of this recording. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Shannon. I'm super excited to talk to you. Can we start with a brief description of The Wedding Ringer so that readers can kind of have an idea what to expect? Sure. So The Wedding Ringer is a, a women's fiction novel with a lot of romantic elements. Um, it's about a formerly successful blogger named Willa Callister, whose life uh, was turned upside down when she found her best friend and her fiance in bed together six weeks before her wedding. Um, oh, yeah, so things are not going great for her at the start of the book. Um, all she kind of wants to do is move to a new town where she can start fresh, where no one knows her, knows what happened to her, um, and she can kind of begin life anew. Um, but to do that, she needs to save money because she's broke. Uh, so it's kind of a problem for her. And then one day she goes to a coffee shop and she meets a woman named Maisie. Um, Maisie needs a bridesmaid for her upcoming wedding, and she offers to pay Willa to be in her bridal party. 
um, and Willow wants nothing to do with weddings or Maisie. Um, however, she thinks, well, hey, I can use this money to get out of town um, and start over again. So she agrees to be a bridesmaid uh, in Maisie's wedding. And as she kind of enters Maisie's world, she realizes that she's starting to form a genuine friendship with Maisie, with, with the bride, and also a flirtation with the best man. Um, and then as kind of things develop, a secret from Maisie's past threatens to ruin the wedding um, and everything they've been uh, working toward. And um, Willa is kind of forced to decide whether friendship and romance are worth sticking around for. Ooh, so I love the idea of sort of a like a bridesmaid for hire. Yeah. Um, it's not something that we see done in fiction very often. Um, there was a a brief mention of it in Jesse Q. Sutanto's um, Dial A for Aunties. Like there was a, yeah. a the groom. Yeah, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and the groomsmen, like none of them even really like knew the groom or I don't think they really knew each other. Very well either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when I saw um, the blurb for the wedding ringer, I thought, Oh, like it's, you know, not, not, not that same thing exactly, but sort of similar in that you have kind of a, a part of your wedding party that was hired. What was your inspiration for telling a story like this? Yeah, so I actually got the idea for The Wedding Ringer when I was probably just turned 30. So I was at a time in my life where it seemed like everyone I knew was getting married. Like every weekend I had a wedding to go to. Um, and I was at a friend's wedding and was sitting with um, some people from college and some people I didn't know. And um, one of the my table mates at the wedding reception made a comment and saying like, oh, if I ever get married, um, I won't know like who to pick for my bridal party because I wouldn't want to hurt my other friend's feelings. Like I wouldn't want to say. Oh. Yes. And I was thinking like, that's interesting, interesting problem. I was like, and it got me kind of thinking about weddings and bridal parties. And I thought, well, what if like there was somebody who had the opposite problem who like really felt pressure to have a certain kind or a bridal party or a certain number of bridesmaids, but didn't actually have enough family or loved ones to make that happen? What would they do? And I was like, could they hire somebody? Is that something you can do? And so then I started Googling like professional bridesmaid. And it is a thing that you can absolutely do, um, which I thought was so interesting. You can? Uh, you can. You can. Absolutely. And it's not Whoa. cheap. Yeah. So um, I thought that was such an interesting, I guess, kind of topic. And um, and I thought, well, this would be kind of fun to write about. Um, And I liked the concept of like plotting um, a story against the backdrop of a wedding because, you know, weddings are full of love and drama and hijinks sometimes, which just makes for like really rich material and a lot of like fun things that you can include in the book. Um, And I knew I also wanted to write a book about female friendship. And so I came up with the character of Maisie first, who is, you know, this bride who needs to hire someone to be in her wedding. And then I thought, well, what would be like the opposite of that? What if somebody who like, you know, recently went through something that makes them not even want to hear the word wedding ever again, um, who just is kind of really down on her luck and is kind of a contrast to Maisie. And that's where Willa came about. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of how I came up with that and how I got interested in that whole topic. So hearing you talk about this, um, 
that helps me understand exactly who the audience for this book is. And it is one of my um, podcast presenters named Natalia, who absolutely loves everything to do with weddings. And this is a Natalia book. If I have ever, ever heard of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is like everything that you know she loves about weddings is yes. is here. Yes, yes. Drama, hijinks, love, all of that stuff. It's it's kind of fun. And I had a lot of fun writing it because, you know, those things are all super interesting to me. And I I love weddings too. I'm always always been interested in, you know, the whole wedding culture and industry. So yeah, it was a lot of fun for me. <laughs> and I feel like at least here in the US, and I don't necessarily know um about other countries, but here, the wedding culture, the wedding industry, like, is huge in that kind of over-the-top way, um, like, that we see, you know, on, on TV. Like, what is that? Say yes to the dress or yes whatever. Dress. Yep, say yes to the dress Atlanta. There's, like, spinoffs and all of that kind of thing. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. There's so you see sort of oh, – I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say there used to be a show called like Four Weddings, which um, I I don't know if it was on TLC, too, but it was like four brides would like attend each other's weddings and then like rank what they thought of each other's like whole receptions and ceremonies. And that was a fun one, too. It was ridiculous, but fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of like a description of, of most TV these days. <laughs> that is true. That is absolutely true. <laughs> So when you um, realized that you could actually like legitimately hire someone to be in your wedding, um, were you able to kind of do like any research into what that would be like or did you totally fictionalize it for your story? So I did research about kind of like, okay, what would that look like? Like what services could you expect if you hired a professional bridesmaid? So it's actually really interesting um, because you could hire someone who's just like a, a wedding planner and is also your bridesmaid for the day. So who does like, I guess, all kinds of things, you know, like they oh. come to the bridal shower, they help you organize like your bachelorette party. Like they're really a wedding planner that also can serve a bridesmaid's function. Or you can just hire someone if you need someone for a couple hours to stand up in your ceremony. Um, so there's like a, a broad, I guess, package of like services that you can, um, you can get if you go through like an agency. And a lot of these are, um, agencies, especially in bigger cities, um, that you can, um, you can get services from. Um, so I, I looked into that and checked out like all these websites and stuff. There's also um, a woman named Jen Glantz who has written about, um, she has like an agency and has written about like weddings and bridesmaids and all this. And she sends like, I think it's like a monthly email that I kind of signed up for. And it, and it has like a lot of wedding tips, but also like bridal party tips and, and kind of cool stories and stuff like that. Um, so that was kind of the extent of my research. I didn't actually talk to anyone who had been a professional bridesmaid or had hired one. Um, I just kind of researched into, like, what are the possibilities if someone was really going to do this? And then kind of took that and ran with it and then fictionalized, um, you know, Willa and Maisie's adventures from there. You have me super curious. Like, after I'm done with this interview, I will also be Googling professional bridesmaids. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's <laughs> a thing I must do. Yeah. I I included um there's a, a scene in the book where Willa is Googling professional bridesmaid because she's like, is this really a thing? And um I, I Googled it when I was doing my research and included in the in the book how many hits she got, like Google results and it's millions and millions. I can't remember the exact number, but it is like crazy. You'll be amazed by what you see. <laughs> oh. There's a lot out there on a topic that a lot of people don't know anything about. So yeah. You have made my morning. <laughs> you can enjoy going down that rabbit hole. It'll keep you busy for a few hours for sure, because it sure did for me. <laughs> so when you were writing this, like, is this the first book you've written? Uh, no. So it's the first book that I that is my debut novel. So it's the first book I've had published, but it's actually the third book I've written. Um, so okay. Two other books that, you know, are just like sitting in a folder on my computer that um, will probably never, ever see the light of day. Um, but I learned so much about writing through just just getting through those. Um, so this is my third third novel, but the first one that will see the world. <laughs> awesome. So are there things that you can talk about that you sort of discovered as you went along from like writing the first two books that, you know, may not be shared yes. to writing this one where you feel like, you know, you actually kind of hit your stride as a writer and, and found something um, that that people were publishing. Sure, absolutely. So uh, one thing that I, I learned is that I need before I start writing to um, like, I guess, plot out a beat sheet. So I, I don't know if people on the podcast before have talked about using like the save the cat beat sheet method, but um, it's like, no, I've not okay. heard of this. So, Okay, so Save the Cat is, um, it's a book. I, I don't even know who wrote it, but, um, it's for like authors and also screenwriters. And it, it kind of takes you through, um, like how any, I guess, successful movie or book has certain plot points at certain stages of, of the work that makes sense. Like you have an opening scene and then you have like an inciting event, something that happens that like shakes up your character's life. And there's all these little kind of plot points throughout the book or the movie that kind of, if you follow these plot points, make for a satisfying read or, or watch for the, the reader um, or the whoever's watching the movie. Um, and so one thing I did when I first started writing or trying to write like a novel is I would just not really have a plan. I would just sit down and be like, I think I want to write about this. And then I would go for it and write, you know, a hundred thousand words of something that maybe didn't actually have a plot. It didn't really lead anywhere. It wasn't, it didn't like flow or, you know, the pacing was off. Um, and so, um, when I was writing my, my second novel, I did a mentorship program called Pitch Wars where, um, yeah, I did Pitch Wars where, um, if you're an aspiring writer, you can enter, um, it's it's like a contest. There's no fee. It's completely free. And um, you can possibly get matched with a mentor who's a professional author who will read your work and say, hey, here's what's not working. Here's what you kind of need to fix. Um, so I did that. And I worked with um, I did it twice, actually. The first time I worked with an author, a romance writer named Melissa West. And she was the one who introduced me to the concept of a beat sheet and was like, you know, you need to have a plot. <laughs> it's really important. Like, <laughs> You can't just let your characters kind of like play around on the page for a hundred thousand words. Like it might be fun for you, but when you're actually, you know, trying to, to, um, you know, do this as a career, like it's important that you have a plot and pacing and all of those things. Um, and also one thing I've started doing since like on, on my 
well, when I started writing The Wedding Ringer, is that was the first book that I actually outlined before I sat down and started writing. Um, I had, like, an idea of kind of exactly how I wanted the plot to go, um, and that helped me so much. And I think that was honestly such a game changer for, like, me in terms of, like, coming into my own as a writer because if you ever, you know, are sitting down to write and you get lost on the page and you're like, okay, what do I do next? I have a resource. I can go to my outline and be like, okay, that's right. Like, how do I get from A to B, you know, with with what I've planned? Whereas before I would kind of just, I guess, yeah, just kind of do whatever, Um, which isn't a bad thing. Some people are really successful and and just sitting down and pantsing it, you know, they call it flatter versus panther. I was not. I was not. Um, and then another thing that I, I learned a lot as I, you know, kept writing and worked on uh, The Wedding Ringer is really how to dive into, like, the emotional worlds of my characters and how important that is, that, like, you know, plot is important and, you know, making something entertaining, having, like, a little bit of drama and humor, those things are all important. But if you don't give your characters, like, a heart in a way that the reader can connect with, like, by really showing you know, why they're vulnerable, how they got where they are, the things that cause them pain and bring them joy, um, then, you know, you won't be successful. So that's like super important. And that is probably one of the, the biggest takeaways I've, you know, learned and over trying to write several books. I'm always really intrigued by people who are able to create an outline that they can then like carry through till the end of the book. And so I'm wondering when you created your outline, were there times where you sort of deviated from it, where as you wrote the story, you were like, well, this particular thing is supposed to happen. But as I'm working this out, it seems like actually, you know, this other thing might might work better. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's important, too, that you when you're writing something that you give yourself the freedom to do that because the outline is like a guide for you created by you. It's not like a rule book. Um, so you should give yourself the freedom to change things. And um, when I was writing the wedding ringer, one of the things that I did several times is um, deviating from my outline. Like Maisie has a secret um, throughout the book, um, secret from her past that um, kind of becomes important to what's going on in her present. Um, and I actually changed what the secret was several times. So I started with an initial outline of what I thought I wanted that to look like. Um, and then I changed it a couple times when I was writing. And then my editor made a different suggestion as well. Um, so I was flexible and like, okay, here's what I thought it was going to look like according to the outline. But actually, I think this will work better. Um, and I think that's super important. And for me, writing an outline is like the most painful part of drafting. Like it just, it, it's hard. Um, it's not something that comes naturally to me to sit down and plot everything out beforehand. Um, but I find that it makes the whole writing process easier if I do that first. Um, but it's still, it's still a struggle. <laughs> I'm still trying to get good at it. I'm not going to lie. It reminds me of, of school. Like when they say, you know, you have to like outline your research paper. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was always like, oh, that's so terrible. Like, I don't. Yeah. I remember that in like middle school, they would talk to us about pre writing, like before we wrote an essay, like oh, we yes. 10 minutes. And I would just, I found that so painful. Um, but I think, too, one thing that's helpful is like when I go to outline, I don't really think of it as like an outline. I just, I can open like a Word document and start writing like character descriptions or scenes, ideas for scenes, or I have bits of dialogue I might 
you know, just jot down before I start outlining or even, you know, writing anything. Um, and then I can kind of arrange that into an outline. Um, so it doesn't, you know, necessarily start out as like an outline with A and B and C, but I kind of start with a broad overview of like who I want the characters to be and include maybe specific physical descriptions in this word document and dialogue they'll share with each other and, and little things like that. And then kind of shape that into an outline. Um, but again, it's like, you have to be flexible with it and, uh, it doesn't come naturally to me. So it sounds like kind of a, a thin line that you're trying to balance, like plotting enough to have a guide, but also being flexible enough to change when the story calls for it. Right. Absolutely. Which is a hard, a hard balance to strike, at least for me. Um, I think some people are excellent at it, but for me, it's, it's still like a learning, a learning process, um, between, yeah, because sometimes what what you think will work on the page or what, you know, sounds good in theory when you're actually writing and really getting to know the characters as you flesh them out. And you might realize, like, this is not going to work or this character wouldn't actually do this. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, and I think it's important to not be too rigid about that while also, um, you know, giving yourself a, a like a trail or a map so that I don't get overwhelmed or lost in the middle of the book. Um, which has happened to me before. So, ah, yeah. uh, yes, yep. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now that the wedding ringer is almost in the world, mm-hmm. what can readers expect next from you? Yeah. So, um, in at the end of the wedding ringer, in in a print copy. I don't know if this is for ebook too, but um, I assume it is. Um, they include they included a chapter from my next book, which is called Lucy on the Wild Side, um, and it is um, the Wedding Ringer. I think skews more women's fiction with romantic comedy elements. Lucy on the Wild Side, my second book, is um, more of like a standard rom com um, than women's Ooh. fiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is about a. Um, woman who works at a zoo she's a a gorilla keeper she's a primatologist so she studies gorillas and has dedicated her life um to them and she works at the a zoo and um in the book there is um uh like a hot shot kind of um like wildlife tv presenter who decides that he's going to film um a season of his show at her zoo um and so it's kind of I guess some hijinks ensue. Um, they initially do not hit it off at all. Um, she thinks he's arrogant. He thinks that she just is work obsessed and, and all that. And then kind of, yeah, they come to, I guess, well, I don't want to give too much away, but, um, it's kind of like an office romance. If your office was the zoo and features a lot of cool animal stuff. Um, so yeah. Are there any giant cats? Well, there's mention of giant cats for sure. I don't think there okay. are any with giant cats, but there's mentions of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cats are are my my thing, so I'm always very excited for books where yeah. giant cats are mentioned. Absolutely, they're so cool. They're so cool. Yeah. I yes, they are. Absolutely. Although I am a little um, put off by the people who try to have them as pets. Okay, you should not have giant cat as your pet. That is that is a really bad no. Thing. That's really, really crazy. Yeah. I just like there was a, a baby cougar in someone's apartment in New York City. Like it was at the news. 
Oh, and I was yeah. like, no, I don't think that's a good yeah, idea. Not a good idea. Yeah, wild animals are are wild, and the babies <laughs> you grow up, so they're not going to be tiny and cuddly forever. So that could be a real issue. Yeah. Uh, yes, especially in New York City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Just like take your cougar for a walk. You know, yeah. that'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> oh, so many things. <laughs> I have never read a romance set around a zoo, so this is very excellent, and I will be keeping an eye out for it. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really fun. It was really fun to write, and um, it's just kind of a cool cool thing to research and a cool environment to set a story in because there's lots of things that can happen, and it's just interesting, right? Like everyone likes animals, and yes. Uh, cool cool job to be like a zookeeper and really interesting so I had a lot of fun with that yes and to study gorillas like that you know that's like a cool profession to have yeah it is they're like my big cats you know like I think they're so fascinating so ah well then it makes sense that you um wanted to sort of make Mm -hmm. your character Mm -hmm. um you know have a similar relationship with them yep absolutely yeah I I love that Yep. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun to write. And it is now time for me to ask you my very favorite question. And that is, what have you read recently that you think the world should know about? Okay. So we talked briefly earlier about Dial A for Aunties by Tonto. Yes. And I just read that like two weeks ago, maybe. And that book rocked my world. I love yes. I loved every second I was reading it, and I just, um, I gave it to my mom last week to read it, because I was like, oh, she'll love this, and my mom already finished it, and usually it takes her, like, you know, she'll read a little bit before bed, so it takes her, you know, a month or so to finish a book, but she read it so fast, and I finished it myself in a day and a half. I, like, can't rave enough about it. It was so sweet and so funny, and there's, like, elements of a thriller, you know, and I just thought... She did a perfect job of capturing, like, family dynamics and how you can love your family so much and also be so frustrated by them at the same time. And um, I don't know. It was just so fun. And I, I can't wait for the sequel. So Oh, I know. Was, it's coming soon. Yeah, I cannot wait. I'm super excited. Um, what else have I read recently? Oh, I just finished um, Very Sincerely Yours by Carrie Winfrey. Um, which is a rom-com and it's, uh, about a woman who starts exchanging emails with a man who is like a professional puppeteer. Like it's just, yes, it's like such a cool plot and like it just really like sort of, um, funny and interesting and it's set in, in fall and autumn. And so it's like a perfect cozy read. Um, it's just a book you want to read like while wearing a cardigan and like, Drinking tea. I don't drink tea. I drink Diet Coke, actually. But, like, with my cardigan, that's just how it means. Yeah. Like, I well, you really- could heat up the Diet Coke, and it would be, you know, a, a hot, cozy, disgusting drink. I've never tried that, and I actually might, because frozen ones are really good, and no one tries them warm. So, I don't know. It could be a disaster, but... Uh, what's yeah what's the worst that could happen it's fine um what else have I been reading oh I I was lucky enough to read an early um edition of a book I think it's coming out in 2022 by Lynn Painter it's called Mr. Wrong Number and it's about a woman named Olivia who starts a like a texting relationship with a wrong number like someone texts oh. her with just the wrong number and um 
anyway, it, I'm not spoiling the plot, but um, it, it turns out that this person that she's texting is her brother's hot roommate, who she's also <laughs> for for a brief time, and that was just like so much fun. It was like, uh, yeah, just like really swoon worthy, swoon worthy. So I enjoyed that one so much, and can't wait for that one to come out. And then I have to keep current, an eye out for this one. Yeah, it's great. It's so much fun. Um, and I'm currently reading Accidentally Engaged by Farah Heron. And it's, oh. um, yeah, so I'm about a third of the way through and it has like a fake engagement and there's like a cooking yes. competition and so much reference, so many references to bread and baking and like, I love, who doesn't love bread? I love bread. So oh, I just, bread is the best. It is. So I just like read the book and like think, dream about bread and it's wonderful. And so Have you read her previous book? Uh-uh. Um, this is the a- Chai Factor. I haven't. Yeah. Oh, this the is- Chai Factor is lovely. Yeah. It's on my list, but, um, I am excited because I'm enjoying this one so much. Yeah. So. Like a barbershop quartet. And lots of yummy Indian food. Not so much bread this time, um, yeah. but lots of good Indian food. Like really cool, complex family dynamics. Um, yeah. I, I loved it a lot. That sounds great. I love books that make me want. Like, well, I always want to eat, but like they make me want to eat something specific while I'm reading them, because then I can go get that food and read. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. So I'll read the Chai Factor next and just have lots of Indian food ready to go when I'm reading it. I That's- feel like um, Sarah Desai, who wrote um, The Marriage Game and The Dating yeah. Plan, and soon um, The Singles Table is coming out. I feel like she kind of does that in her books, like weaves food so nicely like throughout her story. Yes, I agree. I read one of hers, and I, I think that's such a like a skill. <laughs> it is. It if totally I is. Not food, I just write like a whole chapter of like food descriptions and, and, and you know, that's not a plot. You can't do that. Um, <laughs> to have the ability to use food to like really enhance the plot and like um, kind of the way the author structured the relationship between the food and characters, like often. Yes. A huge part of their lives. And so what they're baking or cooking or eating really says something about them. Like they have a real connection to it and, and the reader can connect with that too. It's like a really cool talent that I'm just like very envious of and really admire. Yeah. I highly recommend if you want another baking book, um, Rosaline Palmer takes the cake by oh. Alexis Hall. Yeah, I have, I've heard of that one. I haven't, I haven't read that oh. yet. I'll, add that. I'll scoot it up on my, my two, TV red list. Um, oh, yeah. it's like a reality TV show for baking and this really quirky, like single mom character who has a lot of depth. And again, this sort of, you know, complex family dynamics. Um, oh, I love that. That's like catnip to me. <laughs> a really cool friends to lovers, like relationship kind of going on alongside the competition. I read it earlier this year, and it is yeah. so excellent. Yeah, and I feel like I've seen the cover for that, too, and I thought the cover was super cute. It's, like, very striking. Yeah. And the next one, I think, is coming next summer. Oh, that's exciting. I love yes, that. Yes, it is. That's awesome. Okay, so I can read that yes. one and look forward to, to next summer, too. That's yes, I, I hope you love it. It is so, so stellar. It sounds excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your pre-release schedule to chat with me about writing and books and food and <laughs> why favorite. you shouldn't have a cougar as a pet. 
Yes. <laughs> Good life advice. It's very important. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> Thank you. Can you let listeners know the best way to find you online before you disappear for the day? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so um, I am most active on Instagram. My Instagram is at author Carrie Ray. It's K-E-R-R-Y-R-E-A. And my website is authorcarryray.com. All right. Thank you so much. And once again, we are discussing The Wedding Ringer by Carrie Ray. It is scheduled to release in the U.S. on November 9th. Yeah. Thanks so much, Shannon. You're welcome. All right, new books. So the year is starting off with a bang in Bookland, which is, of course, just the way I like it. However, I do need to say that, as has been the case for the past, I don't even know how long, publication dates are subject to change. So if I'm talking about something and you look for it and it didn't actually come out, I apologize in advance for that. It's just very, very hard to keep up with all of the changes to publication dates, and sometimes I get it wrong. All right, so as is always the case, I'm going to start out with some books you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated releases of January episode. So I am going to start out with one of Stacy's picks. This is Love at First Spite by Anna E. Collins, a romantic comedy. Then I have a couple of books that I mentioned on that episode. First up being The Kindred by Alicia Dow. This is young adult fantasy. I also have a young adult romance, One True Loves. This is Happily Ever Afters, book two by Elise Bryant. And now let's talk about new books that you haven't heard us mention. I am super excited for this first one. I love Megan Sienna Doidge. I think her interwoven trilogies are some of the best urban fantasy out there right now. And she is releasing Compelling Infinity. This is the second book in the Archivist trilogy. And this is a series that you are better off reading in order. And so that would mean you'd have to go way back to the beginning um, to check these out. But it is well, well worth your time. So this is Compelling Infinity Archivist, book two by Megan Sienna Deutsch. We then have some young adult fantasy. And I'm starting out with The Ivory Key by Akshaya Rahman. So this is the first book in a duology about four estranged royal siblings who need to find a new source of magic. Magic has apparently run out, and it is all that stands between their kingdom and war. So if they want to keep the peace, they have to find a new source of magic. This is The Ivory Key, The Ivory Key, book one by Akshaya Rahman. How about a young adult thriller? This is It Will End Like This by Kyra Lee. This I'm pretty excited about because it is sort of a modern take on the Lizzie Borden story. Now, I don't know how 
how closely the author will stick to the actual facts of the Lizzie Borden story, or is this just sort of a similar story set in modern times? I don't know, but they really need to find out. So this is It Will End Like This by Kyra Lee. Emma Lord has a new book out this week as well. This is young adult fiction with a little bit of romance woven in. This is When You Get the Chance. Again, it's by Emma Lord. And it is about a teenage girl who decides to go searching for information about her mother. Apparently her mother has been gone from her life for quite a while. And our heroine doesn't quite know how to deal with this. Um, I'm not sure where it goes, but if you want to find out, you should pick it up. It is When You Get the Chance by Emma Lord. This next title makes me very happy. This is The Girl Who Knew Too Much by Tiffany Brooks. Um, this is the title of one of my very favorite Amanda Quick novels. Um, obviously, these are two different books, but I've just always liked this title. This is kind of a mashup of the TV show Survivor meets Lord of the Flies. Now, Lord of the Flies, in its like true form, is pretty problematic. So I'm eager to see how a contemporary author kind of changes it up and turns it into what looks like a young adult romance. So this is The Girl Who Knew Too Much by Tiffany Brooks. I'm stepping away from YA for a moment, and we're going to talk about the newest novel by Julia Kelly. This is The Last Dance of the Debutante. This reminds me a little bit of The Last Debutante by Georgie Blaylock, which came out last year. Um, and this is about the last year that women were introduced to the queen. And I believe this takes place like in the late 40s. Um, Julia Kelly has written some really awesome books, most notably The Light Over London. Um, but this is her fourth novel, and I am very excited. I'm on hold for this at the public library. I hope it comes very soon. So this is The Last Dance of the Debutante by Julia Kelly. Then we have No Land to Light On by Yarazib, and she wrote The Girls at 17 Swan Street several years ago, which is one of my very, very favorite books set in um, a treatment center for women with eating disorders. So this one is quite a bit different from Swan Street. It is the story of a couple um, the man is Jordanian, the woman is American. They are separated when the husband flies to Jordan to deal with a family emergency and is prevented from re-entering the United States by a travel ban. Um, it looks very, very intense, also very timely. So this is No Land to Light On by Zara, I'm sorry, by Yara Zeeb. Then we have The School for Good Mothers. This is by Jessamine Chen, and it is about a mother whose bad day has unimaginable consequences. Apparently, our heroine has a really bad day, acts unwisely, 
and somehow lands herself in this kind of reform program with the custody of her daughter hanging in the balance. And this is a novel that looks at modern parenting, at the different standards that we hold women to based on their race, their socioeconomic class, all kinds of things. Um, I'm very excited about this. It will probably be very sad and intense, but sometimes those are exactly the books that I'm looking for. So this is The School for Good Mothers, and it's by Jessamine Chan. Okay, and we have to have some mysteries here to round up this episode. So let's talk about Between the Lines by S.J. Butler. This is a debut, and it is about a man whose girlfriend is killed in a hit-and-run accident. And this is like the worst thing that he can imagine. However, this is not actually the worst thing that will happen to him. And if you want to know what is worse, you will have to read it. It is Between the Lines by S.J. Butler. Then we have The Perfect Escape by Leah Conan. This is about a girl's weekend that goes terribly wrong. Um, I'm not sure in what way it goes wrong, but in a thriller, there are all sorts of options, and I will definitely be checking this out. So it is The Perfect Escape by Leah Conan. Then we have Reckless Girls. This is by Rachel Hawkins. Last year, she wrote The Woman Upstairs, I believe it was called, which was sort of a like a Jane Eyre retelling, kind of where Jane Eyre is a con artist. Um, Reckless Girls is a gothic-themed suspense novel set on a Pacific island. I have to be honest and say that I did not love The Woman Upstairs, but I'm always looking for new sort of gothic novels, so I will definitely be checking this one out. It is Reckless Girls by Rachel Hawkins. And lastly, I am going to mention a book that will make Brooke very happy. Um, a while ago, Brooke talked about A Deadly Inside Scoop, which is an ice cream parlor mystery by Abby Collette. That is the first book in the series. Well, now the third book is out, and this is A Killer Sunday. Um, these are, as you can tell, mysteries, cozy mysteries set in an ice cream parlor. And I know that Brooke speaks very, very highly of this author. Abby Collette also has a new series. Um, the first book came out, I believe, in, in November, and it was called Body and Soul Food, which I am very excited to read. I don't usually read cozies, but this one did intrigue me. But if you loved A Deadly, Deadly Inside Scoop, then you might want to continue with the series. So this is A Killer Sunday, Ice Cream Parlor Mysteries, book three by Abby Collette. And that, my friends, is it for me this week. I hope all of you had a fantastic holiday, that you are able to stay as safe and well as possible. I hope you are ready to get into some seriously good reading as 2022 kicks off. I know I am. Um, it's been kind of sad for me not to be able to talk about new books for a while, so I'm glad to be back. And I hope all of you find some truly stellar things to read.
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.